Welcome to the Crystal Caputo Show, a space where we'll catch up with business leaders, community builders, and politicians to explore the issues that affect us most. Hello, my guest this week is Yana Emasheva. She was born and raised in Russia, where she received a degree in economics, but decided instead to pursue a career as a graphic designer, production artist, and illustrator before moving to Calgary, Canada, where she now resides. Upon her arrival to Canada, she acquired a bachelor degree in fine arts and worked as a graphic artist while participating in gallery shows and freelancing. She's also taught classes in mixed media at Alberta University of the Arts. Yana loves dancing, being a crazy dog mom to two Frenchies, hoarding niche perfume samples, sitting in trees, and generally being in nature and learning random things. So we talk about a lot in this one, including what it was like to grow up in Russia, how the arts serve as an important function in the healing process, and we get a peek into what pivoting looks like in the current economic climate, particularly for a solopreneur. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Yana as much as I enjoyed having it. Thank you for joining me, Yana. I'm really excited to talk to you today. And after reading your bio, I I really have to ask you, what does hoarding niche perfume samples mean? Okay, so you know perfume samples, right? Yes. They're just like little vials. They're little vials of perfume for people with commitment issues (laughs) who can't commit to a full bottle. And um, the niche ones, I... You know how there's like pop music and classical music, but then there's like indie music and music not for everybody? Yes. So niche perfumes are not for everyone. They smell strange. So I just like collecting those. And So hold on. Do you like wear them or you just like randomly smell them in, in your collection or, or what do you do with them? So when you buy them, I buy them on the, on the internet online. So you only buy them using the description. So sometimes you receive a surprise. So you end up buying like 15 different samples and maybe three of them are good for me to wear and then everything else is just, you know, lies around. So you must have like super good body chemistry because I I can only wear one perfume and everything else smells horrendous on me. It's, It's Givenchy Haute Couture and they stopped making it for a small fraction of time. But anything else I wear, like even if I smell somebody and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. It always just ends up not smelling nice on me. So you have a very unique talent that you can wear multiple perfumes. So I know that you're currently a tattoo artist and you've since COVID started, you've pivoted to these really cute and adorable decals. I want to talk about that and we'll get to it. But first, I think it would be really useful for people to hear sort of your backstory and where you're from and how you got here. Okay, so my backstory, I guess. (laughs) I'm a first generation Russian Canadian and artist, graphic designer and production artist. And um, I love other than art i love tea small details nature perfumes fabric and pattern retro and vintage everything uh history psychology all jewelry embroidery and some traveling so i came to canada with my parents and my cat 15 years ago that makes it 2005 so i came directly from Russia to Calgary and been staying here since and I come from an industrial city of more than a million people which no one knows about because everybody just knows Moscow and St. Petersburg from Russia but it's a it's a large city and it's actually kind of similar to Calgary and Alberta in terms of oil and gas industry so very Um. industrial kind of thing 
And uh, I have two bachelor degrees, and one of them is completely unrelated to art. It's in economics. And the other one is the degree from Alberta College of Art and Design, now Alberta University of Arts. And art's been always a big part of my life, and I guess we're going to talk about that a little more. Yeah, I want to talk about that, but I have to pause for a second because there's two things I want to hit on. First thing is, what was it like growing up in Russia in this huge city that nobody's heard of? I don't know. It's kind of hard to compare. You got to have some... We're joking around about some specifics as in, you know, having a little more deficit in like day-to-day things and a little more crime as in terms of having to be careful where you go and not being alone at night and things like that. But these are all very much real were very much realities of my life that I you know didn't think about growing up but I'm kind of glad I had this maybe a little more challenging experience and having a wider range of experiences with maybe not so good people or a little more dangerous situations which really helps in you know have a built-in defense mechanism and a hyper awareness that other people might not have. I have a friend that grew up in um, South Africa and he says to me, it's funny because you just take it for granted that you can go somewhere at night here as a woman and it's not a big deal. Yeah. And I feel like I feel more grateful uh, to being here now because I can kind of not forget my you know, subconscious training, but be grateful for the safety and, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, predictability in a certain in a way right yeah so I you know it's a good thing being in a bit more civilized society but at the same time it's more boring <laughs> okay the you other know, you, you lose that spice of life here's a little story for you when I came went back to Russia to visit um, I think two years ago the traffic is crazy so driving is very wild back there so there's no rules people people don't like to follow rules people don't like to use blinkers and so on so um we're driving as passengers in a car of our friend that we're visiting and uh, all of a sudden maybe 60 kilometers per hour i don't know something like that just not a major road but um right in front of you all the sudden of us all of a sudden there's this block of cement like right in the middle of the lane and she veers over and like oh Great, we survived. Oh my gosh. So there's no signs, no cones, nothing. You just, you know, you rely on your instincts. Well, so I'm like, very <laughs> grateful that you survived those experiences when you revisit it. Yeah, everyone will be happy for you. So the other thing that you mentioned right off the hop that I want to dive into because they're so divergent is how did you go from getting a degree in economics to pursuing a life of art? Because a lot of people have this impression that those are two different functions of the brain. I'm not really on board with that definition for a lot of reasons, but I'm curious to see what path, how you shifted on that path. I I think there wasn't really a big shift because I've been always artistic. And I mean, I have, I can trace that back down to you know being very very young like a few years old three or four or five or six and um it's it has to do with having a degree in economics has to do with uh being a good daughter and you know how we we have a bit of an asian influence and we come from a bit more of a patriarchal society and and you're supposed to follow what your parents are telling you right Mm -hmm. and what they were telling me is that art is a hobby and you can't make a living 
doing art. So I like a good daughter, I would um, go to school. They're like, here you go. There's a good, you know, career path in life. Go do this. So I ended up in, in the economics school in a university that's called Aviation University. So it's like a very, very technical. And then the economics was one of the more humanitarian strands in there. Um, but at the same time, I've been selling my artwork to, you know, fellow students and so on. So it's always been kind of, or drawing cartoons on, on in my lectures and so on. It's always been a big part of my life. But at the same time, after I've done my degree and graduated with honors, I had a big depressive episode because I did not see myself in you know, being an office worker. And after that, we kind of found a little apprenticeship for me in a print shop and a design shop. And that's how I kind of got back on track. This was the first time in my life when I realized that art cannot be just a little part of my life, or it cannot be just a little hobby or a side project or side gig. It has to be something bigger. And I think it's really fascinating because when we look at what role our parents want for us we're never and and I'm not sure if you have children or not but you are never gonna live up you're never gonna be what your parents want you to be so it's really like a false flag to lay on the ground at least for me obviously I have hopes and dreams for my children and I have things that I want them to do but they're their own people and it makes no sense to put on them either what I want them to do or what society says they should do because if I think about my parents having that kind of expectation of me, like it's laughable. Like I'm absolutely not what my parents would have wanted me to be. I mean, I, I still think that they're, and I hope that they're proud of me. Hi, mom and dad. But um, <laughs> it's definitely not, you know, they wanted me to be a teacher and that's why I went to school and speak French. And, you know, so the expectation versus the reality of the path that you feel fulfills you and what you're passionate about is probably I would guess more often than not, very opposite of what your parents hoped for. Not yours, the collective you. Um, yeah, absolutely. I love that you are able to make a career and sustain your life from art because that seems out of reach for a lot of people. Do you think that's just because you are uniquely talented or do you think there's something else? Because I have to say, like looking at how you've pivoted and changed even types of art or industries so kind of fluidly, I think you have a really big entrepreneurship part of you. And I'm just curious, <laughs> you guys can't see this, she's shaking her head, but I'm telling you that her ability to pivot is very, very indicative of her innate entrepreneurship and understanding of like you were selling cartoons and paintings to people in university that's very entrepreneurial i guess so, <laughs> so do you think what? that the, the art led you there or do you think that it was just you know how do you think about that if you think about that it's a pure chance i mean uh, when i graduated when i was at acad alberta college of art and design getting my degree in fine arts specializing in drawing minoring in fiber uh, there was barely maybe one and a half class that um, concentrated on business element of, you know, being an artist. We were let out. Since then, they changed. I got to give them credit. But we were let out into life 
just, you know, oh, we're going to be an artist. And, you know, I went, after I graduated, I went exactly to the same career path I was on that was making me money, which is production art and graphic design. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) everything else was, you know, uh, pure chance. I never thought I will be, you know, my own boss and have a little business for myself. Because, again, coming back from a background from if you know Soviet Union had not had private property for 70 for 70 years that was not allowed we were you know striving to be communist and socialist so everything belonged to the state or to nobody so my parents don't have a clue and don't have an understanding of what entrepreneurial means they're both state city workers and growing up like that it's totally different concept for me so, so, so hold on. Okay. I, can, I want to, can we pause for a second? Cause I kind of, I want to look yeah. at that a little bit because that's so far from my life experience. And just as a point of personal curiosity, what was it like growing up like that? Like I can't even, I guess you would argue that I have like a quote unquote quasi privileged upbringing. You know, I grew up on a fair amount of land in the country. We didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of property and mm-hmm. uh, my parents are both self-made and, and I'm self-made with, you know, my tiny little chunk of land. We've got about an acre. What does it feel like to grow up somewhere where you don't even own where you live? Like, can you even wrap your head around trying to explain that? Um, yes, everything belonged to the state. Uh, they, we were distributed and given apartments or flats or whatever we could get. So in the depths of the Soviet times, you worked at an at a factory or a company, some sort of establishment that would have queue of people that were entitled to get a flat or get an apartment. And you were you were in that lineup for years and years and years, and then you get distributed that. So I don't know, living in a small crowded place on a, having a salary and you know, just a very simple life that's not really like i mean entrepreneurial people are always finding ways to do that but it was illegal kind of just the t- that tiny caveat it was illegal to have an idea and pursue your own business exactly <laughs> so and sorry if those questions were super naive i just i that's not my experience at all and it's something i'm curious about so thank you for sharing that no, no. yeah yeah you ask away so the next thing i sort of wanted to dig into is something that a lot of my friends are really curious about and I've been curious about and that's using art as part of the healing process so whether it's you know to do with bullying or just finding an outlet of expression whether it's for children or adults that are dealing with issues I have a lot of different groups of people that have created these spaces to use art for healing. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on using art for healing. If you have any, and if this goes nowhere, we can totally cut it, but I'm just, you seem very in tuned with using that as an outlet of expression. And I'm just curious to know if you have any thoughts on it. Yes. Okay. Um, I do healing aspects there's a few things that I wanted to mention for, you know, the healing properties for, of art. And for me personally, um, that kind of, when you, when you said healing through art, this immediately rings um, art therapy to mm-hmm. me, which is 
I don't know if this is something that you're... <laughs> go, go. Yeah, yeah, of course. Art therapy is sounds very, very soothing to me because as a professional artist, there's a lot of tension for me between making art for the viewer and making art for myself. And I have to consciously shift gears between, you know, thinking about the considerations of the viewer, composition, color, and so on and so forth, to making art specifically for me, where I can be completely free and let go of all the expectations that the art world has for me and my clients have for me and so on. So in that sense, healing is freedom and um, kind of being able to experiment and be raw and vulnerable with myself. So does that make sense? Yeah, I, I actually never really thought of it like that. So I've been fairly heavily involved in art. So my first out of college job was at a graphic design agency and I started as secretary and then I moved up to project manager and eventually did um, art direction. Uh, I'm not artistic to be clear, but I, I just had a really strong connection with the artists to be able to translate. As you know, it's sometimes difficult to translate from the client to the artist, what their vision yeah. is, especially good artists because they're so strong in their vision and as you know, when you're producing something for monetary exchange, you have to align it with what the hopes and expectations are of the client. So I never, right. I, I really like your lens on that because I, and this is, I feel now horrible. I have to go call all my artist friends after we wrap up and say sorry, because I never really <laughs> thought about the fact that that was like disconnected to you expressing art as something that was meaningful to you personally. And Oh God, yeah. I, I and and now I see it. So I my best friend in the entire world is a graphic designer and you you would love her. She she's also an artist and she's always exploring in different mediums. But I never now I feel really badly because I never really thought about the fact that that wasn't ticking that box for her as far as a creative outlet because I almost jealous isn't the right word. And envious I, I don't know. I think you're lucky that you have a mode of expression that can be used to get those feelings out. I would be really curious, just selfishly for me, to see what the self-expression artist looks like versus the paid-to-perform oh, yeah. artist looks like. I mean, they do cross over a little bit because you're the same person, you know, and you're working with your with your sensibilities that are similar or the same. But, you know, it's a little more personal, a little more raw. But, yeah, what you're saying, it's been beaten into us, you know, in, in education that you have to take things into consideration. Nothing is accidental that goes into the piece, right? There mm. should be an explanation for anything. Mm. And that is totally the opposite of when you're just expressing freely. It's, it's such a different thing. And we're still people, like, I mean, we're trained to separate the personal and professional, but it's still, you know, when you send, when you press the send button on an email with your, like, first draft or first something for a client, it's really scary. You know, like, there's still personal things attached to that. You, you made them, right? So they're like, even though they might not be exactly how you're processing art through healing necessarily, they're still your creation. So I understand there's oh, like definitely. a deep connection. Yeah. And yeah, that's right. 
And the, the other thing that I wanted to mention about um, healing power of art for me, it sounds a little big, but whatever. I think it has to do some something with um, a childhood trauma or something that happened when I was little where um, the only way that I could express was through a visual. Uh, somehow I was shut down in terms of language or speaking up or speaking out for myself. So I found this kind of work around and creative outlet and to express to express myself as a as a human being as a person, but uh, without spoken language. So that's kind of like a creative way of going around of trauma and um, limitations. I, I think that's a really really huge point, and I think it's super valuable and. It's really amazing that you're able to do that. I, I think that I use language in that way and writing in that way. So I really relate to, to that expression. So I kind of, I, I want to pivot just a titch. How did you move into this extremely expressive digital state, colleges, teaching, production artist, tattoo artist? How'd that happen? How how do I even articulate that? That's a that's a big progression. I mean, which which part is the most interesting to you? Because the newest development is the tattooing, which is only about three years old. It's uh, so, and that happened with pure accident. Tell me the story, then. Tell me the story. That's what I'm interested in. Your st- I'm interested in your story and how that happened. So um, I was briefly exposed to tattooing right before I left Russia in 2005. I. I apprenticed maybe in somebody's kitchen basically a, a, some guy gave me a machine made out of a guitar string and, and a walkman motor and said practice on my arm <laughs> wow so, uh, so yeah that was completely unhygienic and whatnot <laughs> it was pretty horrible but um that ended with with uh, me moving here and then that idea got shelved for 15 years and I never thought I'd return to that. And uh, then my partner, Roger, just gifted me a little machine and said, here you go, try that out. How does that work? <laughs> so I tried it and um, for a year I practiced on pigskin and fruits and grapefruits and bananas. And uh, then he he convinced his friends <laughs> to, uh, to be my guinea pig. And um, he did and that's how it all started. I work from home, I have a little home studio and my clients come to me and it's a pretty cozy little space and uh, yeah, I love it. It's a very, it kind of, tattooing kind of unifies a whole bunch of interests of mine which include the body and the pattern, decoration, ornamentation and um, maybe a little bit of psychology because you're, you're with a person throughout their pretty transforming experience if if it's something meaningful to them and some pain ritualistic feelings stuff like that i feel like you just went super deep you were really moving up 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 with this culmination which was tattooing and then hi hello world pandemic and 
talk to me about what you're doing now because I saw something online briefly earlier and are, were they masks? Like, is that what that picture was? Was a mask with a little logo or what was the picture of the cloth that I saw with your little logo on it? And talk to me about decals, about how you decided to move to that or how that kind of happened. So yeah, the global pandemic changed my plans a little bit. I guess I couldn't see people. I was very sad about that because I'm pretty introverted and seeing people in my home is pretty much the only way for me to interact with them in a, in a way that works for me. But um, I kind of veered off to making vinyl cut stickers and that is the designs that can go anywhere in your home or business or outside. And they're mostly lettering and typographic designs right now that people can use. And the most popular is uh, no flyers, please, please, actually. <laughs> Which is probably not something people are going to have to be worried about with all this newspaper business coming up. But I love the lettering yeah. on your no flyers. So, yeah, and these ones I can, this is a little bit of side business that can be done remotely. And eventually I hope to start selling my own stickers like of my own flash of my own art that I've produced and the little fabrics that you've seen were just the samples of the t-shirts oh with okay the, cool my logo print that I did so this is also something I hope to move into apparel with my own art so that would be t-shirts and maybe some other items I guess this is a spot that I, I always kind of like to wrap up on. If you have any quotes or advice that you think of that's important to you or that's been significant in your life that you think would be valuable to share. There's something about vulnerability in, in art that we can all relate to. And this is something that can connect us and it makes us feel human. And, and that's something that's, that makes us closer and that's like the opposite of hate and aggression and um separating people so i think that's that's a big thing that's a big thing about art that i love because like it helps me to relate to others and um step into their shoes and then realize that probably these are the same shoes in many cases that we all have that we all wear that was really beautiful, and I'm really grateful that you made the time to have this conversation with me. Thank you very much for having me. 